Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with... Here for Appaport. And today, guys, we are interviewing a special guest by the name of Russ O'Donnell. He is a residential mortgage loan originator, and uh, he is here today to talk about um, Dodd-Frank, why it's important to you as an investor if you're, um, if you're creating notes and doing seller financing transactions and how to stay compliant. So welcome, Russ. Um, you want to give us just a little brief introduction of yourself, what you do, how you got into it, um, and then we'll talk about Dodd-Frank and why it's important. Sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate uh, being here. Excited to hang and chat with you guys. Um, so uh, as you said, uh, my name is Russ O'Donnell. I'm founder of a company called Call the Underwriter. I'm a HUD certified underwriter uh, and a licensed residential mortgage loan officer. And I founded the company uh, right at the same time that Dodd-Frank passed the ability to repay rule. I knew a lot of investors at the time that were doing seller finance and it completely quit when the law was passed. I thought, wow, man, how am I gonna privatize underwriting and help these guys. And so we just had the idea that, you know, we, we knew that nobody knew how to underwrite and nobody knew what the requirements were. And so we just, you know, tried to find a way to make it easy for seller finance investors to continue to do what they wanted to do, which was create seller finance notes, uh, but do it uh, compliant and stay safe. Well, that was super good timing on your part. Uh, you know what? I, I wish I could take all the credit, but it seems like uh, everything that's good that's happened up to this point has been a God thing. So I'll continue to give him the credit for the good stuff. <laughs> there you, go. uh, you did come at the right time because I, I can tell you, I do remember when Dodd-Frank came out and I think yeah. that everyone was a little panicked about you know, what, what does this mean to my business and uh, what do I do? Um, can we talk a little bit about what Dodd-Frank is, who Dodd-Frank is and uh, what, what, what that means to any of us. Who's this Dodd-Frank Dodd Frank 101? Yeah, so I, I guess the first thing I like to do uh, is just, you know, maybe try to do a 180 uh, with everybody because everybody seems to hate Dodd-Frank, but the truth is, is that Dodd-Frank is your greatest friend. Um, hiring an RMLO really has more to do with what's called the SAFE Act. And maybe we can chat a little bit about yeah. that, yep. um, you know, in, in a little bit. But Dodd-Frank really uh, does a number of things. It has, a, it has several benefits to it. Uh, number one, it lets you know as an investor that you have a well-qualified buyer, that, that buyer can actually afford to make the payment, uh, which helps to reduce default. Uh, number two is if you go to sell that note, uh, investors are more likely to pay more money uh, for a Dodd-Frank compliant note. And then number three, uh, you know, if you're ever called up uh, by the CFPB or any other regulatory committee where a borrower has challenged or their attorney has challenged whether or not you uh, abided by that law, 
uh, it protects the asset because the ultimate, uh, you know, the ultimate penalty is, uh, you know, you get to pay all the interest money back to the borrower and, and uh, possibly have your lien invalidated. So I like Dodd-Frank and I like to get investors to think that, hey, you know what, Dodd-Frank's not my enemy. It really is my greatest friend when I'm doing this. Okay. Let, let's, why don't you now talk a little bit about Safe Act because I, I don't think people hear that mm -mm. terminology anywhere near as much as Dodd-Frank. No, in fact, the SAFE Act is what's tripping everybody up. It's not Dodd-Frank. There's a little bit of confusion in the industry. What people have to understand is that it, it's really the SAFE Act that is forcing you to hire, uh, you know, a licensed originator, um, you know, to, to comply with origination. And so let, let's, let's just break it down a little bit uh, because honestly, at the end of the day, hiring an RMLO uh, does nothing. It doesn't absolve you from anything that you're doing. If you're the one that's negotiating the mortgage terms, the, lent, the loan terms on your deal, you're acting as an LO. And if you're not licensed, uh, if you're doing more than five in a 12-month period, uh, there's no way to comply with that law unless you're licensed and you have permission through your broker to originate your own seller finance deals. It's just the law wasn't written for seller finance people. So there's no way uh, to really comply with it. Uh, attorneys will tell you that are well-versed in Dodd-Frank, our attorney, there are other attorneys, Jeff Watson, Bill Bronchick, guys that are very well-versed in Safe Act and Dodd-Frank will tell you there is no way to comply with that law. It's best just to stay exempt. So uh, we've got attorneys that'll tell you, hey, don't do more than five. And if you're gonna do more than five, you know, at least try to put, uh, you know, no more than five into a single entity. Uh, we have investors that, uh, that we underwrite for that uh, put every loan in its own entity, uh, just in an attempt to stay, uh, you know, compliant with that law. But what the SAFE Act is, is it simply says, look, if you're going to do more than five of these in a given year, you've either got to be licensed or hire somebody that's, you know, that's licensed. And uh, unfortunately, even doing that for reasons we just stated, uh, doesn't absolve an investor. If you're taking the loan application and you're negotiating the terms of your deal, hiring an RMLO doesn't absolve you. Interesting. Um, is it true that SAFE Act has different um, rules by state? It does. Yes. Very good question. Um, so the, the Fed said the federal SAFE Act gives you five. Uh, truth in lending will cut it down to three uh, in certain circumstances. But, but for, for this conversation, you have five. Uh, state, other uh, state SAFE Acts uh, sometimes will drill it down and say, you don't have any. Uh, you don't have a grace period. From the very first one, uh, you'd better either you know, be licensed or it's no deal. Uh, and so there are states that you simply can't operate in unless you meet those laws. And so uh, we, we, try to, we try to help investors identify which states those are. There are a few states that we just simply won't operate in because they even force underwriters to have an RMLO license specific to that state and have brick and mortar there. So they're uh, mostly oh, New wow. England. New England has made it tough to really do business there. I don't know if they just hate investors or what the deal is, but uh, we, we've pulled out of New England. We won't do, there's eight states we won't do business in uh, just because the laws are so crazy. Do you, do you happen to know those states off the top of your head? Uh, you know, if you just look on the map, if you look at New Jersey, New York, uh, you know, a Delaware, Rhode Island, anything north of that. There's eight states in there. I'd have to get to my uh, my little cheat sheet to tell you exactly which ones they are. Yeah. But if anything up in that area, that New England area, we just it's just off limits to us. So th that would mean that if you are trying to do owner financing, that you're kind of taking some risks. Yeah, you really are. The Attorney General uh, in New York, uh, we've heard through other investors. Uh, it just has an axe to grind for seller finance investors. So 
We just, we don't, we don't play ball there. So let me ask you that, Russ, would that include subject to transactions where you're just taking over existing debt? So, well, I mean, if you're just taking over existing debt and you're not extending credit to an owner occupied buyer, uh, then you're not originating a new deal. You're not, you're not under the safe fact, you're not under Dodd-Frank, but if you're trying to put an owner occupied buyer in there, if you're, you know, somebody's losing a home and you know, you're helping them to not lose that home by bringing in a buyer, um, it's still seller finance. It doesn't matter if there's one, two, 10 or 15 underlying liens. If you're still creating a new note with an owner occupied buyer, then you have to comply with both of those laws. So if I'm understanding you correctly, when this really applies to us is when we're dealing with an owner occupant, if we're dealing with another investor, so an LLC or um, an incorporated company, uh -huh. these don't really apply? You're correct. So that makes things a little more interesting. It does. I, I know it doesn't do a whole lot for the profit margin, <laughs> but uh, it does. Uh, it does allow you know a little more flexibility there, where you don't have to get these done. And when we get a submission, and about once or twice a month, we'll get a submission for underwriting where the occupancy is investment, and uh, we'll let the investor know. It's just kind of a friendly reminder. Hey, you know, we're happy to underwrite this for you, just to make sure that the investor can afford to make the payment if the buyer, you know, their their end buyer doesn't. But you right. don't have to do this. Yeah. So it, it's, let's take a hypothetical here and tell me what uh -huh. your thoughts are. So let's say that I work at an uh, owner finance deal with you and I am going to um, what I would call wholesale it to another investor. So I'm basically going to assign my deal to another investor. Okay. Um, where does that put me in the whole mix of um, having, you know, Dodd-Frank or Safe Act kind of issues? So if you're, again, if you're just working with, a, an, a, you know, another investor who's not going to occupy that property as their primary residence, uh, there is no Dodd-Frank ability to repay requirement. You're exempt from that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so the only time you would maybe hire an underwriting firm is just to make sure that the investor themselves, if you had concern as to whether or not they had the, you know, they had the, the financial capacity to handle whatever it was you were, they were signing up for, uh, if their end buyer failed to make the payment or didn't perform, you know, you could do that, but it, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, very few people do it. You know, why go to the hassle if you don't have to do it? But that you don't have a Dodd Frank requirement when you know moving, you're signing your 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 interest or your position to another investor. So let, let's take it one step further. Mm -hmm. Let's say that now the end buyer is an owner occupant, uh -huh. but I'm still. So I've come to you. I'm like, hey, Russ, I can buy your house. We could buy it like this. Now, but I'm not really going to be the end buyer. Um, I'm going to go find that owner occupant that's going to live in your property and make those mm -hmm. payments. Um, I put together something. You say, yeah, that seems like it would work. Um, we then go find that buyer. We put the two together. Now, what is any if what what should I be doing? What should the seller be doing, if anything, in terms of remaining compliant? So the, the one question you have to ask yourself is who's the lender? Okay. 
So the lender would the be lender? you in this case, right? Because do, um, do I own the house? Yes. Okay, so then I then am extending credit to the new buyer. Yes. Okay, so then I have the Dodd Frank requirement. Right. I, I I'm the one that has to comply uh, with both the Safe Act and Dodd Frank. Now, since it's my home and it's my only one. I don't have a safe act requirement, so I don't have to hire an RMLO, which again, doesn't help me anyway. I don't have to be an RMLO. I don't have to be licensed, but I still have an underwriting requirement. I have to make sure that that buyer meets the ability to repay requirement. In other words, they can afford the payment. And so I either have to, I have to hire a firm to have it underwritten uh, if I'm not an underwriter, uh, but I don't get a grace period on Dodd-Frank. I have to have every single deal underwritten. So basically, so uh, if we're wholesaling, so we're assigning our contract. Um, so as far as I go in this particular case, um, I don't have much of anything to do. But if I want to protect you, Mr. Seller, who I've put this deal in front of, who probably doesn't know any better, right? They don't uh, know any better, right? Um, they're allowed to do one, their own uh, one a year. Is that right? One um uh, yeah, if they're just an owner, if they're not a, uh, you know, a company or a business right. that does this normally, they're allowed one and okay. still remain exempt from the SAFE Act, right? Okay. But now the one thing that they should do is contact someone like you that would look at their financials, the buyer's financials, and make sure that what it is that you're offering is now affordable to that buyer. Is that right? Absolutely. In fact, and, and you as the investor that are, that's orchestrating the deal, um, you know, in, there, there might be a judge or a court out there that says you had some level of responsibility uh, because you were the deal architect uh, to make sure that the, uh, that the, you know, that the, that the seller who would have no way of knowing that they don't do it for a living, you do, uh, you know, should have hired an underwriter or somehow complied with the, you know, with the act. So yeah, you're absolutely correct that when you're orchestrating a deal, I would always have, if, if that's how the deal is going to work, where the, 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 the homeowner becomes the lender, I would absolutely uh, plug them into uh, some entity that would, that can help them make sure that that end buyer does meet uh, Dodd-Frank ability to repay requirements. Absolutely. Cause at the end of the day, if, 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 if that person doesn't, they're a lender. They have the same requirements on them that Wells Fargo Home Mortgage does. And if they don't comply with Dodd-Frank and they end up, the lien gets invalidated, now you've really got a mess on your hands. Yeah, where the buyer now is making a complaint, um, the seller's like, wait, what? Um, I, I had no idea. Um, so, and I, I'm going to make an assumption here. Tell me if this is right or wrong. In this particular case, um, using someone like you and RMLO, um, I just need the underwriting aspect of the whole thing. So I only need a piece rather than when in our next episode, we'll talk more about being that the actual note creator, the, the finance seer, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, is, is that correct? So uh, really now I'm just looking at you to to vet my my buyer, it's not even my buyer, your buyer in this case, you know, um, we're going to an RMLO to basically make sure that our buyer that's going to be living in this property can afford the, the property based on the financials that they're providing. 
Uh, with one correction, yes, we're going to an underwriter. We're not okay. going to an RMLO because oh. RMLOs can't make that determination for Dodd-Frank, right? Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what, what would be the process in that particular case? So they would fill out a normal loan application? Yeah. So the borrower, uh, just like if they were applying for a, an institutional mortgage loan, uh, we provide the forms that the buyer needs to fill out. Uh, which is a, a residential mortgage loan application. They're going to sign a borrower's authorization that lets us pull credit. Uh, they're going to provide income docs just like they would at a bank or a mortgage company. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we want the terms of the deal. So whatever the term, we need a term sheet. Uh, if you've already gone to contract, maybe we'll get the contract and the financing addendum. But somehow we need application, borrower's authorization, income docs, and the term sheet. Uh, and that lets us begin the underwriting process. Are they going to be providing tax returns? Uh, if they're self-employed, um, we encourage them to provide the last two years tax returns or as an alternate, if they know that that's not going to be a true representation of the income, as an alternate set of income documents for self-employed folks, they can submit the most recent 12 months uh, business bank statements. So if, now a lot of these buyers are not going to have very good credit, right? I mean, um, that's one of 90 plus why. percent. Yeah, one ninety of the plus why percent will have a FICO score between five fifty and five eighty, right? Okay, so that, we're, we're we're not worried about credit score. Um, no, uh, we're really more worried about what their income is, right? What their income yeah. to debt ratio, basically. Correct. I mean, if, the only ramifications you have on credit is if we have, you know, public records so, such as liens and judgments or. You know, something like that that might be that might affect title down the road. Sure. We want to dig into that a little bit, and we will dig in with the buyer. Um, if the borrower has no good credit on file, I mean zero, we you know we may ask for a couple of credit reference letters, maybe from the auto insurance agent, maybe from a utility bill to show that they are making payments on time, and then we'll, of course we'll ask for a prior uh, a letter from their current landlord letting us know that they've you know made their last 12 months rent payments timely so that's about as far as we'll go in terms of credit we really want to make sure that the income is solid and stable and there's enough of it uh to meet those requirements right so basically it's almost like going through a normal conventional loan process um as far as the underwriter however we're going into this knowing that Hey, the, the interest rate is most likely going to be significantly higher than what you'd be getting at a bank right now. That's uh, what we see. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things with the credit, which is, you know, I, I don't want someone that's never had good credit. You know, I want someone that's had a credit issue that we potentially can fix over some time, you know, um, some kind of you know, divorce, job loss, health issue, um, something rather than chronic, hey, I never pay my bills kind of right. credit. Um, so you're, yeah. gonna, you're, you're going to look for that or the underwriter is going to look for that and identify like, hey, th this is someone that you know, they never pay. And um, that will probably save you some headache yeah. on the road. Yeah, for sure. In fact, you know, we, when, as we're underwriting, you know, we're looking to see, hey, is it, was this the, 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 you know, the, the result of a life event? Did something happen, you know, or is this just somebody that just doesn't pay people back? Right. And if we can't, if we can, we can't ascertain that it was a life event or, uh, you know, maybe, maybe something happened. Maybe there was just some, 
medical issues that strung out over time and, and the bills were so big that they just fought like crazy, you know, ended up filing a bank, you know, that stuff happens to people. And so uh, there's lots of these one-off reasons that cause people not to get a, a traditional mortgage loan, uh, but that are great payers. We can verify that, hey, look, yep, this went down and that went down, but look at all these trade lines on credit that they've been paying on time. Look at the rental history. We just had one yesterday um, where there was no credit on file. The person didn't use any credit, didn't have a credit score. Uh, oftentimes we see that as a positive if we can ensure that they are paying other bills on time. And when we got the verification of rent in, the person had been paying rent for 900 a month for the last 12 years, never made a late payment. And the new mortgage payment was going to be a little less than that. Yeah. So that's the kind of buyer you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, just to summarize, and I think Jonathan, yeah, but first, first of all, Jonathan, if you have any questions of Russ, I mean, by all means, um, but I think we're in the next couple of minutes, we want to wrap this up and then we're going to start a second episode where we can dive more into where um, we're actually creating the note and how we stay compliant. But so just to, to quickly summarize, if I'm doing this as what I would call like a wholesaler, where I'm assigning a contract, I'm putting the deal together, but then I'm going to be out of it. So okay, I'm, I'm, I, what, what I should be doing is I should be finding that underwriter and making sure that that, that buyer that we find can meet the, the basic requirements of debt to income, We'd certainly want to get a credit check on them as well. Um, do you find that people that um, that have to jump through some of these hoops like wonder why? Because you know that, that's the whole reason why they're looking for owner financing is so that they don't have to jump through these hoops. And now all of a sudden uh, we're making them jump through some of these hoops. You know, it's it's very rare, and the ones that 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 throw a fit are the ones that are living off the radar anyway. It's the ones that are earning cash and, and don't put it in the bank. They, we can't document any income. They're so far off the grid that, that uh, you just, you're, you're, they're not going to meet requirements and they know it. But that's, that's really it. People generally understand that when you tell them, hey, look, this isn't, you know, it's not as stringent as getting a loan, but I do, the federal law does make me, if I'm, if I'm the seller slash lender, my conversation is, hey, look, the federal government makes me verify that you at least have enough income to afford this payment and it's good for you too to make sure that you're not you know stepping into something that maybe you ultimately can't afford and so uh, we're just gonna have to walk through this process it's not going to be as strict but at the end of the day it's going to protect us both especially when you yep, that they're coming with a down payment almost a hundred percent of the time right and it's uh, yeah uh, significant um you know 10 20 30 40 50 thousand dollars or more um you know, I don't want to put someone, I don't want to take their money and say, Hey, I know this is, I'm putting you in a really bad spot and this is probably going to end poorly. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be known as that person. So no, no. Um, at least now we've done it and that's all we would really need to do. Correct. Is if we are wholesaling where we're assigning our contract is that we would now need to make sure that our buyer um, gets underwritten to make sure that they can afford to be in this, in this deal. Absolutely. Okay. So Jonathan. I got a couple questions. Yeah. Um, so 
in what, what scenario would someone get in trouble for not doing this underwriting? Um, what, what would that scenario look like? Number one, and then what are the consequences if they get caught? And then who, who really, who's the one that catches them? Who, who, who get, you know, who, um, who's policing it? Yeah. Who's, who's the, who's the enforcement agency? So the enforcement agency is the, uh, CFPB. What's that? Finance production period. Yep. They're the, uh, they're the strong arm of Dodd-Frank. Uh, they're the ones that come down on mortgage companies, lenders. Uh, they're the ones that ultimately, um, you know, you, that you, you'd be in front of, and they're the ones that would lay out, uh, the penalties, if any, for noncompliance. Um, so in what scenario do you, does it, you know, do you, you get in trouble? Um, so if you, you create a note, um, and you don't have it underwritten, you don't verify that the buyer ha- you know, meets ability to repay, um, and you go to foreclose, and the buyer gets an attorney, and the attorney looks at it and says, hey, where's the collateral file? You know, where, where, did they prove that, did they pull your credit? They get, no, they didn't, get a, they didn't take a loan application. Did they pull credit? No, they didn't pull my credit. Uh, did they ask anything? No, I just signed the paperwork. Uh, the attorney comes back and says, you didn't meet the ability to repay, we're gonna challenge it. And so that's when you have to, if you can't prove that you met the ability to repay, uh, you're at the whim of the CFPB. And ultimately for Dodd-Frank, it would just, you know, invalidated, uh, invalidate the lien. You pay back uh, all of the uh, interest that the buyer paid. In essence, you give away the home for free. Uh, wow. Man, and ouch if it's not your home, you know. So really it's if, if a buyer defaults and then you go to foreclose, and then they get an attorney involved, say, hey, is this legal? Can they foreclose? Yeah. On? Well, I, I mean, if, if the buyer, even at some point, if the buyer's current, the buyer gets wind that, you know, hey, you may have broken the law and they're the kind of person that says, hey, I might be able to get a free lunch out of this. Uh, it doesn't take a default. Uh, it can be any scenario. It could be on time 10 years from now. And uh, they just realize, hey, I've got 15 years to pay, but I might be able to get a free lunch. Let me go talk to an attorney and see if I, there's some way to finagle, you know, a free, uh, a free crib out of this deal. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything to put you on the radar. So. And I guess for investors out there and what we do, especially if you're wholesaling, I mean, that could, if you're putting a, you know, someone who's, if you're putting the seller at risk of, of something like that, that could be a big deal. But uh, I guess if, if they're, if, if you're exempt, uh, if you're the seller, you're the financier, uh, mm-hmm. you, you are able to do just one, a, one a year or one? you can do one a year. If you're mom and pop and you're doing your own home, you can do one a year, um, without being licensed. Um, otherwise, you know, you, if you're going to do more than that, then you've got to be licensed, but you, there is no, there is no freebie, uh, to underwriting. So you, you have to have it underwritten every single time. You've got to make sure the buyer meets requirements every single time. Yeah. So I guess in this scenario, Jeff, with you, I mean, wholesaling kind of just being in the middle for that short period of time, you're not the financier, but guys out there who are buying properties um, with financing, seller finance, or, and then reselling those and they're doing, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus a year or whatever. Those are the guys that would really be at risk here. I, I, I would guess. Yeah, correct. I mean, especially if you don't own the property, right. Russ, would you recommend if if you are doing a wholesale deal where you're going to be assigning that contract 
and you are assigning it to another investor, so not an owner occupant. Do you still think that it needs to be underwritten? What What are your thoughts on that? Um, wow, that's a really good question. I, I you know, I, you're talking to an underwriter, so sure. <laughs> I want to make sure that if I'm extending credit to anybody, if it was my deal personally, and I was going to wholesale it off to a another investor. You know, I, I just, I want as little drama in my life as possible. So I'm going to make sure I'm going to put that guy through underwriting. I'm going to say, Hey, Bob, look, I just want to make sure that you can afford this deal. If all heck breaks loose and your end buyer defaults, you know, I don't want it to domino back to me and then I'm not getting paid because you can't afford it. I want to know that you've got enough cushion uh, that there's a plan B in place where I'm not, you know, I'm not having to work with you because you defaulted, you know, so I want to make sure that I'm in, I'm in, business with the right people that are liquid enough uh, to have a plan B or a plan C. So I, I certainly would, uh, but I guess not necessary. And I, I do know, we do know investors that don't have their investors underwritten. So th 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 this could get a little convoluted, a little complicated here, but if I, an, an investor, am assigning my contract to another investor, I would probably, to cover myself, I'd probably want them to be underwritten. However, if they're now going to sell on a contract to an owner occupant, they're that how do I protect myself in the wholesale portion of it? I guess I'm out of it. So uh, Yeah, you know, as long as you know you it's it stops it stops where unless you brought the homeowner to your investor, unless you were the deal architect in that situation, yeah. um, you know, then you might have some responsibility. That's probably an attorney question. Uh, sure. But um, if you're just working with that investor and you don't, you know, you don't know what they're going to do or who they're going to do it with, uh, you don't have a Dodd Frank requirement. You don't, you know, you don't have an underwriting requirement. You're 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 removed from that scenario. Okay. Yeah. Just really quickly, just for people that may not understand the underwriting process, um, you know, what would it cost to have uh, a buyer underwritten? What's the time frame that it typically takes? Uh -huh. um, that kind of stuff. So our flat fee is $495. There's no charge if the buyer doesn't meet requirements. Uh, so there's no risk to an investor or no risk to a buyer for applying and getting a loan into us for underwriting. And so uh, the 495 fee covers everything. We, you know, we pull credit, we pull a flood cert. Um, we send all of the uh, required loan disclosures that are required by RESPA, which is your initial set of loan disclosures after the borrower is approved. And then three days prior to the uh, closing date, uh, we send out the final closing disclosure. Uh, so it, it covers all of that. Uh, and then, of course, when it's all done, uh, said and done, we upload the entire compliance file, all of our underwriting, all of our logic, all of our forms, everything the buyer provided, everything we then provided, credit report, all of it, uh, up to, along with the Dodd-Frank certificate, the ability to repay certificate, up to a bank-level secured share drive. And we keep that on file for five years uh, at our expense. So uh, it's, it's from front bumper to back bumper uh, in terms of Dodd-Frank compliance. Perfect. Well, let's, uh, I think that's a great stopping place yeah. for this episode because let's, now on our next episode, let's get into how we cover our assets, right? <laughs> how, we, how, we, how we stay compliant 
right? Sure. How we, and, and then we'll go, we'll talk more about underwriting um, and what or you do. The RMLO um, portion of this whole thing. Yeah. Cool. Hey, one quick heads up, guy, uh, guys. I've got a, uh, I've got a knockoff at 530 as uh, so I've got to prepare for a six o'clock. It's about 445 my time. Okay. We'll be done. Yep. Perfect. Right. Sounds good. Okay, guys. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, we're and stay tuned for the next one while uh, hopefully we can get all of our uh, questions answered from Russ before he has to go. But um, guys, you know where to reach us. Our hotline number is 866-409-8090. Excuse me, 877-409-8090. We're on uh, the creativefinancingpodcast.com is where all of our episodes are. You can find us on Facebook. I'm just trying to wrap this up real quick so that uh, – we can continue here. Okay, guys, till next time, go out there and create some terms. Thanks for listening to the Creative Financing Podcast. We need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing. So please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on. Until next time, create some terms. This show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.